All right, Clanton. You called down the thunder. Well, now you've got it. You see that? It says United States Marshal. Why? Please don't kill me. Please. Please. Take a good look at him, Mike. Because that's how you're going to end up. The cowboys are finished. You understand me? I see a red sash. I killed a man wearing it. So run, you cur. Uh, run! Tell all the other curs the lie's coming. You tell them I'm coming. And hell's coming with me, you hear? Hell's coming with me! Monkey, apologies for the lateness. Uh, life is our excuse. Um, yes. I am uh, steering the ship this week. Uh, my name is Ian. Hello, and uh, as always, I am joined by Mark. Hello, people. Hello, all. So um, we're slightly, slightly pushed for time tonight. So um, uh, we'll just get on with it. Dude and the monkey at gmail.com at dude and the monkey at Ian Loring at Mark. Uh, sorry, at Dude Foz. My apologies. Mark, do you have anything to say before I say what to expect from today's show? No, not at all. Let's let's kick the shit out of this motherfucker. Nice. Okay, so we'll uh, talk about some trailers. We'll then kick into our feature review, which is James Mangold's The Wolverine. Uh, do some one old, one new, and we'll finish off with the uh, penultimate part of the Spike Early Marathon as we take a look at his 1995 film, Clockers. Uh, but to start off with... A uh, little starter for you folks. Uh, Mark, what trailers have you seen this week? Well, um, firstly, uh, one of the trailers that I did see uh, was the Red Band The Heat trailer in front of the 12A rated The Wolverine. Um, and there's, I think, four F-bombs in it. Uh, I, I understand that this happened not just at View Cinemas but at Cineworld and a couple of other franchises as well so whoopsie on that one yeah. for whoever programmed that um, Two Guns Red Band trailer um, saw that um, thoroughly pumped for that looks like a standard Denzel Washington Mark Wahlberg film and you know what why not that flick comes out the day after my birthday, so I as a hangover film, I think that's going to be amazing. Yeah, I think I think you know you know you're going to go in and you're going to get two hours of just fun. So mm-hmm. looking forward to that. Um, Secret Life, uh, Secret Life of uh, Walter Mitty um, trailer for that uh, gives very little away apart from the fact that it does look like it could be a little bit. Um, 
a little bit aging hipstery. Um, That's a fair point. Yeah, sure. It, it, it does look a little bit like that, like one of those full inter- intellectual films. Mm. Uh, but it, it, it's one trailer, so that I'm not going to judge it too harshly yet. Forty-seven Ronan. Um, somebody I can't remember who it was on Twitter said it looks like the film the last Airbender wanted to be, and I don't think I can say any better than that. Uh. Um, I, I was really looking forward to that film until I saw that trailer. <laughs> hmm. Um, the Mandela trailer. Oh, I yeah. Idris Elba, um, Mandela um, film. Uh, that's got Oscar winner written all over it. It looks like it could be very, very good. And uh, Idris actually sounds like he he is actually attempting in some way to sort of be Nelson Mandela and to take on a persona of Nelson Mandela rather than when Morgan Freeman played him, Morgan Freeman played him like Nelson Mandela had been just waiting for Morgan Freeman to be Nelson Mandela. Mm. Uh, And I've just watched the trailer for American Hustle and it looks fucking brilliant. That trailer is stonking. It is ridiculously good, isn't it? Like I, I, you see, with that and the the World Committee trailer, I like that they're two trailers for Oscar ten- contenders that aren't really giving anything away. It's just, it's ba- like a bit of dialogue and then just style. Like you yeah. get you get an idea of what the feel of the film's going to be. Like I think the that first trailer for the Counselor um, a few weeks back kind of did that as well. I like. Mm-hmm that studios are maybe swinging back round to this way of doing teaser trailers, where it's more about the feel of the film than it is just, like, giving away money shots. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was a very similar one with uh, Wolf of Wall Street as well. We had that. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, well. yeah. That kind of... It, it, more than sort of saying what the film's about, it introduces you to the ridiculousness of these characters. Uh-huh. Um, American Hustle looks... It looks like it could be quite sprawling... But it also looks like it could be one of those films that's, you know, a lot of fun. Yeah, totally. So I'm, I'm very much looking forward to that. Absolutely. Is there anything, anything you've seen? Uh, no, man. I think to be honest, I, I gen, yeah, genuinely not just because we're in a rush. I think you do pretty much bang through all the ones I had to talk about, really. So, um, oh, yeah. Oh, what last thing I will say is, um, whoever's doing the PR for Gravity, please stop releasing trailers and clips. Because there are just, there's like, what, like I can't the day, I found seven different trailers and clips for Gravity. I'm assuming they'll stop now that kind of Comic Con's come and gone. I hope so. I, I, I think they will. Like, they don't need to do anything else with that, that, with that film now. That, that, that's gonna be awesome. I'm ra- I gotta say, I'm rather excited about the winter season. At the cinema, like there's a lot, lot of, of good-looking good. shit. Yeah, there is a lot of there's a lot of films where I'm going. I want to see that. But, but no, more than that, there's not a lot of films I'm going meh about. Like there's, the there's, the only one that I'm really really meh about. Well, Forty Seven Ronin, but The Hobbit. Yeah, The Hobbit and Forty Seven Run are the two that I'm kind of going. Uh, if there's now else on. Yeah, I mean that, that. Like, I mean that's like. I, I think American Hustle. I'm just going to look this up. I think American Hustle comes out over here um, 
I think it might be Boxing Day, um, but I just want to check that out. And if it does, there's a chance I won't see it at the cinema for obvious reasons. Yeah. But, um, which well, I know Wolf I'll of Wall Street inside. is going to be next year, isn't it? 2014 UK, uh, UK release. I mean, Boxing Day is insane. Uh, I'm just looking now. 47 Ronin, American Hustle, Jack Ryan, and The Secret Life of Walter Mitty are all coming out on Boxing Day. I like going to the cinema Boxing Day. Fuck. Because the thing is, I've already said, like, Anchorman 2. I'm seeing Anchorman 2. You're not going to stop me from seeing Anchorman 2. But, like, I mean, Walter Mitty, I could probably wait. But American Hustle, I'm going to have to see it in the cinema. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Just ask for a three-day cinema pass for Christmas. I I just, I'm going to have to... Maybe if I can hit American Hustle and The Secret Life of Walter Mitty in, in like, one day and just say, look, can can I just have six hours? You'll be... You'll actually be surprised at, at, at the, some of the time where you might actually get, you know, but when like, you go, literally, you know what? if the kid's late, the kid will be like less than a week old or a week old, you know. Oh. <laughs> it's going to be fun. <laughs> I mean, like Christ, like at least Friday the 3rd of January, it's Mandela, which I will see, but I'm not that bothered about Paranormal Activity uh, and Paranormal Activity 5. That's all it is. At least that one. Anyway, fucking hell. Uh, let's let's move on. Um, right, so uh, on to the review, and uh, let's have a clip from the Wolverine. <laughs> Get out. Not you. I am the Minister of Justice. Do you have any idea what I could do to you? Really? You're going to try and talk tough standing there in your red underwear? You have ten words. Ten words to explain to me why you would want your fiance killed by the yakuza you don't have the faintest idea of what's going on how many words was that nine nine you have one word left really monica would have never gone through with the wedding she never took to me oh really class act like you wait wait no I didn't like it. How did you know there's a pool down there? I didn't. Okay, so that was The Wolverine, directed by James Mangold, obviously starring Hugh Jackman. Um, oh, fucking everyone who's bothered about this has probably seen it already. Mark, what did you think about The Wolverine? I'm not one of those that um, particularly loves the X-Men films. I don't dislike them at all. Uh, I like all three of them pretty equally, to be honest. I I didn't hate Last Stand, uh, and I don't hold X-Men 2 up as you know one of the, the great comic book movies. I They're all 7 out of 10 movies for me. And I also didn't hate X-Men Origins Wolverine um, as well. So I went into this with low expectations but wanting to be overall entertained and for me the Wolverine is at points it's stupid at points it makes no sense at points you go why who did, did nobody say that's a bad idea or that looks crap or this character is vastly underdeveloped or anything like that 
but it didn't stop me from actually enjoying it pretty much all the way through, to be honest. Um, it's there, there are no other characters at all other than Wolverine. There is no... I felt nothing for any of the other characters uh, at all. But Hugh Jackman is so very good as Wolverine. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, I um, I it's gonna be another one where I think we're singing from the same hymn sheet. To be honest, so uh, apologies for folks getting bored. Um, I um, yeah, I almost, I, I also even uh, very much enjoyed the Wolverine. Uh, it certainly does have its problems, as you just said, Mark. But um, it, it's it is good to see Hugh Jackman as as the Wolverine. Unlike Noel and Jordan on Thirty Five Millimeter Heroes, I myself don't think I'm ready to see Hugh Jackman um uh, give up the claws just yet. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, 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 all spoilers all the time, folks. Um, it, it, I mean, it, where it does fall down is where everyone is saying really in the third act. But yeah. uh, I'd also say there are, I think there are too many characters, and considering, like you say, the only character you really give a fuck about is Wolverine, that is a problem. Like the amount of kind of like potential, or oh, is he a bad guy? Is he not? People that they kind of set up is. Mm a little a little ridiculous um and, and considering the film's already quite long i think like the the fiance character what yeah. what did he add apart from the, that very good you've got 10 words scene yes which is a great scene he adds nothing but also as well i, I have a, a thing now and it, it's developed into a thing where whenever there's an action scene and it's done on top of a train, my brain goes, oh, oh, God, not again. Not another, another action scene set on top of a train. It, it just, it could have done without that entire sequence, because for about five minutes, it was people jumping and then landing. People jumping and then landing. And that was it. And I was looking at it thinking, that is exactly as boring as as this was always going to be. It's like some had a great idea, and then when they actually started making it, they went, oh, this is shit, actually, isn't it? That's interesting. I, I liked the bullet train action sequence. Um, I, I like the pitch within the train, on top of the train. Could have It could have been a minute long and gone. It didn't have to last quite as long as it did. I liked the having to be mindful of the surroundings as well as uh, that. I mean, kind of like, if I can make... A very rare for me video game analogy, um, even though you might not know what this is in reference to, Mark. Have you, you actually know? Have you played Uncharted 2? I have played Uncharted 2, yeah. Okay, the train sequence in that. Yes. Um, you know, where it, it's as well as kind of having to take down bad guys, he's constantly having to um, kind of maneuver around like the big poles and stuff, you know, like that, that are going to like knock him off or whatever. Yeah. I, 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 I liked. That I liked the kind of the threat on the two levels, plus the fact that it is going so fast. Mm. Um, I I enjoyed that aspect of it, and I liked the idea of him kind of running and then leaping, and it kind of looks like he's going really fast because the background's going really fast. You know, I I, I thought that was I, I thought that was an interesting visual. Yes, um, that, that, I'll agree with that. That is a it is a it's a clever it's a clever shot of almost ruse in a kind. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Um, and but I mean, like it, it, the fact that that is kind of the defining action sequence of the film. Even though I will say the bit where they're shooting in with the ropes, 
uh, I liked that. He looked like like the most angry porcupine in the world or something. Um, <laughs> Although, were you watching that bit? We'll, we'll come to that bit later, but uh, just quickly. Were you watching that bit thinking, he's, he's got claws, why isn't he just cutting them? Yeah, um, I think George said that um, pretty much straight away, and I, I think that's a very, very fair point. I think it's... I think he's so determined to yeah. get to that place, even though that's maybe spinning it, but... I think he's so, <laughs> excuse me. He's so I mean, determined to get there, and he's just like power strain. The thing is, what I would say that that falls into there because that is really what he should do. Really, um, is that falls into it? It's a Wolverine movie. <laughs> you know, it's about a guy that has regenerative powers that has claws that come out of his hand, and you're asking that question. Yeah, that's, it, it, yeah. It, it, it's one of those, I think. I I, I think that is to uh, yeah that is to uh, totally fair enough. But I mean, there are little moments like that all throughout this film, and in that respect, I think it it it, it is a kind of like a, a kind of a not not good enough as such, just because there's all there's so much kind of thought and kind of contemplativeness and kind of quietness in so much of this film that is impressive, that they thought so much about, that when you have those niggling plot questions and when you have the third act turn into what it is, it it, it, it is it is like, oh, that's a shame. Mm. Yeah, 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 you know. It, and, it, it, yeah, there are... There's, there's so much good kind of bedding there and so many good visuals there. And then occasionally there's just this big clang of, oh, why did you do that? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, exactly. And it, it, it seems like, because I mean, it, it, they've heavily based it around the um, the Wolverines by um, Chris Claremont and, and Frank Miller, um, which I, I have read, and I, but I read them years ago, and I have kind of vague recollections of. And it is maybe sometimes one of those things where what looks good in a, a a graphic novel sometimes just won't transfer across to to what might look good on film it might look a little bit silly on film yeah and the the adamantian samurai looked fucking ridiculous yeah well yeah i mean everything about him was bad like everything mm. about about him. I mean, the fact that the film feels the need after an hour and a half and you know occasional mutant moments to go fully, fully old comic book film. I mean, this 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 kind of like this kind of thing. You know, I mean, like they they criticise that in Iron Man and Iron Man Two, where it's just like giant robots being involved in the fighting. You know, mm. and, and they just got that again here. And the thing is, you can't you can't do anything new with that idea anymore. Even though I suppose technically it's not a robot. I mean, the one thing is, it's the old guy in there early, all along. And to be honest, I knew the Silver Samurai was coming, and yeah. I knew, I knew the old guy was going to be him about oh, yeah, 20 was, minutes into the film. Yeah, it, it was... It, I don't think that... I don't think they were really hiding it, were they? Let's be honest. Well, I mean, like, the, the amount of, like, the, the kind of, like, the reveal of him where he's just in the background at first and then you see him move and then for, like, the first half of the fight, it, you, you don't see the old guy at all. And, and, I mean, that whole kind of, he's taking the power from Logan and make, being made young again, but then how the fuck is he doing that? Because 
isn't Viper the only one who can really do that? It, it just it doesn't. It, it doesn't. It, it, there, there's a bit missing, isn't there? Yeah. I, I, Viper just seemed like they didn't they didn't do anywhere near enough with her because she's quite an interesting character, but she's basically she's basically in it just to get changed a lot, but on a lot of different outfits, mm. um, and not and really just kind of explain a little bit of what's going on and that's it. Uh, so it, it, it just felt like it, it, the uh, Mango could have done something more, but he didn't want it. He just he just wanted it to be a Wolverine movie and a Wolverine movie only. Yeah, and I mean, it, it, one of one of my personal bugbears as well is how the female villain almost always fights a female. Mm. It, it's it's really really lazy, and I mean like, and I mean the fact that she's built up so much in this, and then by the end of it, she barely fights Wolverine at all. And then I like when she was killed, I was just like, oh right, okay, that just happened. Okay, bye. Yeah, she, she seems to go from being virtually invincible and be a spit venom at people really easy and all this lot to to getting her ass kicked by Yukio pretty easily yeah yeah to being rubbish that's yeah that, yeah that's exactly it um and it's 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 a real shame that um but i mean the, the thing is i mean i did this on heroes as well where i like I, I kind of agreed with a lot of the criticism throughout the whole thing but i mean the the the, the fact is i mean jackman is still very good in this he is very committed he's as committed as he ever was mm. um and, and that that is that is fantastic you know um and the, I like the fact that it is a film about Wolverine. Like X Men Origins Wolverine was not about Wolverine. It, no, was, it was. It was about here's how flying. He gets, here's how he gets his powers, and here's a load of new X Men. Hopefully, we can do a sequel to this. Well, yeah, it, it was. It was. Hopefully, we can get a Deadpool and a Gambit movie out of this. Is what that seemed very much like to me. Yes, yeah, ex- exactly. Let's have Will I Am be the next X Man. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like that—that that is that is still so weird. That, like Will I Am is now apparently going to be the next Sir whatever. Like judging by how much the British public seems to love him, mm. and yet four years ago he was in an X Men film. It just that it's so it's so odd. That man is so odd. And he was so, so bad in it. Yeah, I mean he's fucking brutal in it. But I, it just—I mean X Men Origins Wolverine. I mean like. It's I I don't think it's the worst thing ever, but it is no, shit. It is, it is shit. And the thing is, is Wolverine's not great. It it, it it's not. But like I say, it, it it didn't stop me from being sat there going, going ah, that's a bit of a clunk. That's a bit of a clunk. But I was still getting involved in it. I still was worried, even though I knew, even though I knew consciously that. Of course, he was going to get the regenerative powers back, but I—I'll be honest—I hadn't worked out what, how he was going to get them back. Mm. I presumed that there'd be some kind of anti-venom from Viper or something like that. I didn't—I didn't click or twig that it would be the little buggy thing. No, no, I—I'd I, forgotten about those also. But I mean, it, it's even like the, the the first twenty minutes or so of the film where it's him kind of walking alone in a forest. You know, and with that, with that bear, I mean, it's bad CG on the bear, but, you know, the, the intention yeah. is there. I like that, that shot, panning shot of them just kind of walking. 
Mm. Yeah, and kind of like just kind of understanding each other or something like the bear doesn't go for him. That was I thought that was great. And like then Wolverine like go into the bar to confront the guy because he like basically killed the bear and wasn't a man enough to actually kind of do it in person. That is that's that's fantastic. I, I mean, the Nakasaki opening is great. Um, and, and, and I mean, the the, the quiet. It's moments. very brave that actually. Yeah, I it is. It the is. Nagasaki opening, you know, to do that in essentially, let's be honest, what is a a film aimed at geeks, which is fine, which is fine, but is also aimed at young teenage boys. Yeah, uh, it's very brave to show so obviously a, a, an actual part of history. This this isn't that bit isn't a made up I mean obviously there was no Wolverine there but that actually (laughs) well well, we don't know there might have been that actually happened you know and it it gives parents the opportunity to kind of say to their kids you know that at the beginning that was actually this it actually happened and and that did feel quite brave to open with that Um, and I, I think that will get lost in in the the ridiculousness of what happens at the end of it because people will focus on that rather than the good parts of it and there are some very good parts of this yes absolutely absolutely it just it's um yeah i mean it is kind of drowned out a little bit and also i mean i i think just over the last couple of years we've we've kind of come to expect a better class of um of comic book movie Mm. Uh, and I mean, like, you put this up against Iron Man 3, or, or, I mean, like, the Avengers, or the Dark Knight trilogy, and it does feel like one of those post-Marvel Studios comic book movies, I mean, in, in, in that comparison. But then you have a look at something like, the, like Green Lantern, which does feel like a comic book movie from the late 90s. Yeah. You know, and, and, and you just... It's amazing how far we've come, and also the fact that James Mangold basically, because was essentially a director for hire on this, mm. and yet has managed to. I mean, there are large sections of this film where you just think James Mangold must be a strong directorial presence, because like Gavin Hood, with all the trouble he had with um, Tom Rothman on on, on, on X Men Origins. Uh, you know, he's obviously he just couldn't stand up to it. Where and even though the culture at Fox, I think, has has changed over the years. Um, I mean, they make better blockbusters now, frankly. Um, but I mean, with the Wolverine, it, James Mangold is a strong directorial presence. He's got a voice, and his voice is heard in this. I mean, like what Joss Whedon's is in the Avengers, and Nolan's is in uh, the Batman films. I mean, I think what seems to be. The through line here is when you've got strong directors who can make themselves heard. I mean, I mean if you, um, I, 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 I mean, look at John Favreau with Iron Man Two. Even though I suppose he made himself heard with Iron Man Two, but in a kind of indulgent, oh dear. He was, he, he was, he was, he was too loud. Yeah, I mean, he was, he was slightly riding high on his own fumes. I think was John Favreau in Iron Man Two. Um, and, and, but I mean that, that's the thing like from the early reports that uh, there were from Comic Con of Guardians of the Galaxy it sounds like James Gunn is making himself heard yeah well they're giving it's nice that they, they, they're they're not just standardised uh, yes. already sketched out and gone right just shoot this and they've basically got a storyboard to work with it's nice the fact that they're saying right 
you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to hit this note, this note, this note, and this note. Wolverine has to do this, this, and this. The rest of it, That's go it. nuts. You know, yeah. and you know there are the quieter scenes. They they do feel very you know mango. They do they do yeah. feel like they've got a director's touch to them. You know, they're not just they they're not just sort of generic director for hire kind of things. Yeah. Uh, for instance, the bit with the all the the spikes hitting him in the back, um, all the arrows there. Um, the the funeral scenes very well done, um, and stuff like that. But it, it's I think where it gets let down is the fact that maybe because we've got used to this is our what is it our fifth film with Wolverine like properly Wolverine? Yeah, if you don't count his cameo in Origins, it's yeah, fifth, yeah. If you don't count that, and it, it's a little bit like right, that it's his fifth film, and you essentially know what you're going to get with Wolverine and they have to hit these certain beats and it was those beats where it, it, it kind of clunked a little bit. But, you know, Jackman still seems like he, he loves playing this character. Yeah, uh, no, absolutely. And I mean, like, uh, Christ, I mean, physically he does the work for it and he, he gets into it. I mean, and when Jackman, like, in terms of like PR and whatnot, it's it's occasionally easy to smell bullshit. But I mean, Jackman actually saying that this is the film that I've kind of wanted to make all along. I I, I do you know what I believe it. Yeah, I I think he's he's he seems like one of those who's who's very thankful. Yes. For Wolverine. He accepts the fact that you know it, he's a huge star, and he is. Hugh Jackman is a huge star now, and he's a huge star because he's Wolverine. You know that the springboard that it gave him, he's very willing to give back. He's not, he's not one of those like, uh, for instance, um, and I know it's a different way to look at it, but um, what's his name, Patterson, Robert, Robert Pattinson. I can't get Kevin Patterson out of my head, no. but my brain kept saying he's not called Kevin, and then it just kept saying it's Kevin. So it was trying to play tricks on me. So Kevin Patterson. Um, yeah, he's he was very much you know after the first Twilight movie, just didn't want a, a single part of it and was only doing it because he had to. Mm. If he could have got out of that, he would have. You get the feeling that well, Hugh Jackman will give up Wolverine when he thinks that physically he can commit to it anymore. Yeah, I don't think he'll do a Roger Moore. I don't think he'll go until like he just looks too old. I think he'll know. Yeah, he'll he'll go, he'll sort of say, you know, maybe it's time for somebody else. You mm-hmm. know, I would say I think this will be the last Wolverine movie with Hugh Jackman, last Wolverine, particularly uh, on his own. Yeah, I mean, I wonder after Days of Future Past what will happen because by yeah. then, I mean, like he'll be fifteen years into the role, yeah, which is which is incredible. You know, yeah. it'll be fifteen years and essentially seven movies. You know, if we count his cameo, you know, that's that's pretty. That's incredible. It is, and when you look at the transformation of of him from X Men Wolverine to the Wolverine Wolverine, he's like twice the size, and he was pretty big in X Men. Mm. So he, he he's really got into it, and like I said, the the bits that I enjoyed were. Were you know sat there worrying, going shit? How's he going to get his power back? I, you know, I I don't like Wolverine getting shot and suffering. I want Wolverine 
where he's you know he's fucking bulletproof and he's yeah. fucking kicking ass and taking names. That's the Wolverine I want. Yeah. And the minute he did that, and you see him, and he's dying, and everything like that, and then you see him move, my brain just went, yes! Yeah, yeah, now, yeah. It, now, now shit can get real. I don't care if it's going and fighting a fucking the, the Silver Samurai. I don't care it's that, because I've got Wolverine back. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But now, I, even now, I'm still going, oh, God, I, I hope that there's a little scene during um, the next X-Men movie where he gets his adamantium claws back because I can't be asked with the bone claws thing all the way through it. Uh, I imagine he will. I imagine I imagine he will very quickly. So anyway, should we come to the? Should we do the what is it? I think we said pretty much everything we can say on. Uh, I I reckon so yeah, and I kind of need a wee as well. Um, definitely, definitely not shit. No, definitely not shit. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, be honest. Um, I've got all the other X Men movies on Blu-ray, and I'll, I'll happily pick up the Wolverine. And it's got a very nice steelbook as well, so I'm looking forward to that. And the post credits, which everybody left for, uh, apart from me, uh, despite the fact I was saying there's a post credits, there's a post credits. Seriously? Mm-hmm. Nope. Okay. Right. Everyone, just go. Um, yes, that got me very pumped. Yeah, yeah, I, I I liked it. I mean, it was a bit okay. Well, they're both together, fair enough. But um, yeah, no, no. I mean, I'm I'm excited for Days of Future Past. That um image that's come out of uh, Dinklage as uh, Trask. That um, I'm I'm bang up seeing Dinklage with a dirty, dirty um seventies mustache. Oh, and also as well, the subtle little Trask Technologies thing that was in there mm. was nice. In yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so uh, let's move on then. Uh, I'm going to go for a wee and uh, you're going to listen to some promos. Uh, I'm go and get a drink. Back in a sec, folks. Sure. Hi, I'm Sarah from GorePress.com and along with my co-host Phil, we present the GorePress Gorecast. But Sarah, what is the GorePress Gorecast? Well, Phil, I'm glad you asked. It's a weekly show in which we review horror movies, discuss our love for the genre, and generally just blunder through, showcasing our startling ineptitude at podcasting. Hello, and welcome to another... Go- oh, for fuck's sake! <laughs> no, that is not helping! That sounds ridiculously professional. That can't be all we do, can it? It certainly isn't. We also try and talk a little bit about what we've watched recently, and selflessly plumb the depths of B-Movie Hell so we can inform you, our loyal listeners, about what to watch and what to avoid. Well, that just sounds dandy. Where could I find such a podcast? Well, Phil, you can subscribe to us by searching for the new Gorepress Gorecast in iTunes, or you can find us at gorepress.com. knowledge about this film. Are you tired of film podcasts where the hosts exist in a constant blissful state of agreement? I mean, the main, the main characters are two of the dullest main characters I have ever encountered in any film. Well, you're in luck. Let me introduce you to Chinstroker and Punter. One is an ex-film student with a penchant for David Lynch and art cinema. The other is a man on the street. Listen in perplexed and horrified terror as we tear apart one film a week. 
just really it's isn't. not visually striking no it's just just getting confirmation it's just dealing, that's the third time though I mean am I, this is on you can find us at chinstroker versus punter dot podomatic dot com so come and share the victory if you could fuck any man in film who would it be and why my answer is Lance Henriksen oh. you, you wouldn't tell he looks like somebody <laughs> he looks like somebody you can keep, keep a secret And we are back. There are some promos for podcasts and people we like and support. Uh, I am back with my, in my tribute to Woody Harrelson, my Rampart Ale. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, no, it's um, from this... Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, it's this uh, Welsh brewery. It was um, on the... Uh, if anyone is in Car- uh, Cardiff, the uh, Sainsbury's on Queen Street. They're... Uh, uh, was it two for two fi- two uh, bottles for two fifty or something like that? Damn nice. That's pretty good. Uh, two for two fifty. Yeah, it's like a local brewery, so um, uh, approve. Or was it? No. Yeah. No, I don't know. It was something like that. Maybe two for three pound. That's probably more like it actually. Uh, anyway. Oh no, actually, do you know what? It was save a third, um, and it was one twenty something each. So actually, it was better than two fifty. Anyway. Sorry, I'm sounding much more drunk than I was before, and I think. But um, uh, let's get into it. So, um, uh, okay, sorry. Uh, right, okay. Uh, uh, I've got your email, by the way, Mark. Uh, so, what are we doing now? One old, one new. That's what Damn we're doing. Right. Fuck it up. Sorry, the run up and down the stairs has done something to my head. Um, go on there, Mark, uh, while I slip into a coma. One old or one new, sir? Uh, I'm gonna throw in. Uh, I'm gonna throw in the one old um, hit out here. Um, I've watched my rewatches. Um, have been this week. Have uh, often been kind of stuff that we've either spoken about or people have other people have spoken about a lot better than me. Um, so, but I mean stuff like I've watched rewatched Pacific Rim um, for a second time. I took his about to go and see it. And I enjoyed it a lot more the second time, and I really enjoyed it the first time. Um, I've also like rewatched stuff like Dark Knight Rises, which we spoke about loads, and Dread, and all sorts of stuff like that. But I also um, caught on TV um, a film which I watched quite a lot on TV, because it's one of those films that was always on, and it's Look Who's Talking, um, the 1989 rom-com, I suppose, uh, by Amy uh, Heckling, um, who did one of my favourite films of all time, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Um, and I, I'm sure that virtually everybody who's listened to this podcast that's over the age of 25 will have seen Look Who's Talking. Yeah. Um, because it was one of those films, like I say, I'm 30 and I remember it being on TV pretty much every week. Uh-huh. Um, and it was always one of those films where I never sat down to watch it, but I always ended up watching it. So... It's one of those things where I think I've maybe seen it maybe once all the way through, but I've seen the last half an hour dozens of times and the middle half an hour dozens of times. And so it started on TV, came on, and I thought, Do you know what, I've got an hour and a half to kill. Why not? I'll give it. I'll give it twenty minutes. And if it's if it's terrible, if, I, if, it's, if it's a lot worse than I remember it in my mind being, I'll, I'll turn it off. The story is you've got. Um, Kurt Alley's character, Molly, um, is having an affair with a married man. Uh, he keeps saying he's going to leave his wife. It's clear that he isn't going to leave his wife. She then becomes pregnant, and while she's pregnant, she finds out that he has left his wife, but it's not for her, it's for somebody else. At the time, she finds out this happens, 
Um, her waters break and she goes into labour and hails a taxi and the taxi is being driven by um, John Travolta uh, who plays James who is a typical kind of New York cabbie who also uh, teaches flying lessons yes flying lessons John Travolta and planes fucking hell you, you know you'd think that he had some kind of weird obsession with them wouldn't you mm. um, do you actually know that he does his one of his houses is actually made out to look a like plane. an airport oh really it's like an airport and he, he has his plane docked there really and so yeah and his, his house is made out like it's a mini airport so it's got like he's got the runway he's part of his house and he basically built a house on where his runway is um, and so it's, he's got like all the bits that you would have at, at an airport like his kitchen is the food stand and all that lot and his, right. his living room is like the lounge he's like the um, waiting lounge it, it, it's actually quite an incredible piece of design and it actually looks really good it's just a little bit fucking crazy yeah um, but anyway I, I digress um, and so he ends up getting confused at the hospital for the father, despite the fact that he keeps telling people he's not the father. Um, and she leaves her purse in his car. He then brings it back, and it basically he he steals her address essentially, because there's a retirement home that he wants to put his grandfather in, and he needs a postcode or a zip code, sorry, for that area, so he uses hers. In exchange for that, um, Molly says that he's got to look after the kid, who's called Mikey, who is voiced by Bruce Willis. Mm. Um, And he's got to look after the kid, uh, which he does. But the whole kind of crux of the film is that as the... um, Mikey is in uh, Chris Cerciali's uterus, um, and then when he's born and everything like that, he kind of has a voice and he's narrated almost, kind of narrated as such by Bruce Willis. And he says stuff and it, it, it all works like that and it's very amusing. But I was watching it and it's one of those films where it's, it's an hour and a half long and it absolutely flies by. It's still, there's still funny bits in it. But the thing that, that got me about it is just how fucking charismatic Travolta was back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. he he really is, and he's he he comes across as as fun. He gets the patter down. He comes across as a nice guy, though. He comes across as a little bit of a you know of a of a guy, but a bit of a player, but with the heart of gold, and he just gets it all down very well. And I was watching it, and it got to the end of it. And I thought, do you know what? That was that was quite an enjoyable way to spend an hour and a half. You know, it's it's still as full as it was. None of the actual, the beats that are in it um, have aged badly. It all still resonates. It all still makes sense. And I sort of looked at it, and this movie cost seven and a half million dollars to make and made nearly $300 million. So it's phenomenal. And then I looked at Amy Heckling's career, and you know she's had three films. She's not directed that many films. But three of her films have gone on to have TV series, which she has also directed. Clueless. Clueless, Fast Times, Fast Times. and Look Who's Talking. Yeah, okay. 
So anyway, so yeah, look who saw it. Definitely not shit, and a lot better um, than I was expecting it to be than I remembered. To be honest, um, if it crops up on TV, I'd I'd give it a go again. I'm sure I'm sure you've probably seen it. Cause you. Uh, yeah, no, no, I've seen Luke who's talking before, not for fucking 15 years or something. Well, that's it, yeah, I, it, must, it must be 20 years since I've seen it, but I, I was surprised at how much I enjoyed it. Mm. And how much I remembered as well. When I was watching it going, oh, this happens next. Thinking, look, why do I know this movie so well? Hmm. I... Fucking hell. Yeah, like some sort of post-traumatic stress or something. <laughs> it could have been, yeah. Um... So yeah, so I, I yeah, like I say, I was, I was I was I shocked myself at how much I liked it. But I'll be honest, it was I never expected to talk about that film on the podcast. But then when I did look back over what I'd watched, it was either going to be like I say, Dread, Pacific Rim, Dark Knight Rises, that, or Weekend at Bernie's Two. Nice. So that. I'll do that because I'm just going to embarrass myself if I talk about how much I love Weekend at Bernie's Two. I think you will. Um, so, um, I'll, uh, I'll talk about my one new, my, my one old, I'm barely going to say anything on it. Um, I've, I've seen two old this week and I really haven't got much to say on either. Uh, but my one new I'll, I'll, I'll talk about is a film I watched yesterday. It's on VOD in the US now. Uh, Joe Swanberg's latest, Drinking Buddies. Oh, yes. I, 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 I have it to watch, we'll say. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, this is, yeah, the latest from Joe Swanberg, who, uh, I believe directed, uh, Horrible Way to Die. Um, he's, ba- he's, he's been kind of associated with, with horror so far. Oh, um, shit, I didn't know it was him. Sorry? I didn't know it was Joe Swanberg that did that. Yeah. Oh, fucking hell. Yes, he has, hasn't he? Um, so actually, no, he didn't do Horrible Way to Die. That must have been Adam Wingard. Um, yeah, it was Wingard who did that. I mean, uh, I'm assuming he's done an awful lot of shorts, judging by this. Yes. But, oh, okay. He directed Hannah Takes the Stairs, did he? Oh, that's interesting. Uh, which is the uh, uh, yeah Greta Gerwig film from um, quite a while back now. Bloody hell, he did Hannah Takes the Stairs. All right, I never yeah. knew that. Um, so actually, this makes way more sense now. Uh, but he is associated with the kind of the Simon Barrett, Adam Wingard, um, kind of the kind of the new age of US horror and I mean he's in Ty West's latest film and Ty West is actually kind of a fairly prominent character in, in Drinking Buddies. He's like the fifth person in Drinking Buddies, which is weird. Is he is he playing Ty West or Um Is is, is he is he an actor in it? No, no, well, yeah, no, no, he's not playing himself. All oh, right, that's right. Yeah, no, no, no. Basically, the story is um, you've got uh, Olivia Wilde uh, is kind of like a higher up for this brewery. <laughs> She's kind of like an admin person. And she um, and, and her boss is uh, Jason Sudeikis, who appears in just like a cameo in a few scenes. Um, her, her best friend is um, uh, uh, all I can think of is, is, is Nick from New Girl. It's Jay, Jay Johnson. Um but I, I can't think of his character name in this. I just think of him as Nick. So, <laughs> uh, excuse me. I fucking... Jake Johnson, I'm a big fan. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're friends. Um, now, she's going out with uh, Ron Livingston, and he's going out with Anna Kendrick. Uh, they go away uh, for, the, for the weekend to a cabin, and um, some stuff happens, and then the film... Uh, which I'm, I'm not going to say. And then the, the film continues from there, because one of the great things about Drinking Buddies is it 
it constantly surprised me with where I thought it was going to go or where I was thinking, or oh, is it leading to something? And then it stops. You know, it, it's it's a film that knows its genre and plays with your expectations. And you don't get that in a kind of a rom-com drama that often. Mm. They, you know, they, they mainly fit to type. But here, not as... Pardon me, not as much. And um, Ty West, incidentally, plays... Um, one of uh, Jake Johnson's and Olivia Wilde's uh, workmates, um, and he, he he pops up a fair bit actually. And I mean, he's you know, he doesn't really do much, but it, you know, he's fine. It's just kind of weird, but, uh, but you know, Ty West is also in your next as well. Um, so mm. yeah, like he, he just appe- seems to appear in people's films. They've got, they've got this whole kind of community going, and, and good on them. Um, so um, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, drinking buddies, it just. It, 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 it surprised me a fair bit, and the film itself is only like it's ninety minutes long, so you know you just you never get bored. And what also helps is Jake Johnson and Olivia Wilde have really really good chemistry together, and Ron Livingston and Anna Kendrick with their respective partners don't have as good chemistry, and that's not a fault of the actors, I don't think. That's just is what it is, and it kind of it. it, it you know, you have expectations of what's going to happen and every now and then it kind of mixes things up a bit. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I, I really, really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. It's, it is slight. Yeah. Um, as, as you know, a lot of these kinds of films are, but, um, I, I enjoyed spending time with these characters when they got angry at each other or upset at each other. I didn't want them to be. Uh, you know, I wanted everybody to make up, and I, I, I think that's a, I think that's actually a great success. I, I came to the film just thinking like, oh, you know, I'll stick this on, see what it's like, and I really, really enjoyed it. Um, so, uh, yeah, a very, very easy recommend. It's uh, you know the most solid four out of five you will ever get. Oh, I'm looking forward to it now because I was a little bit apprehensive uh, about it, but yeah, I'm quite looking forward to it now. Yeah, I really, I, I, I really enjoyed it. Cool. Uh, so let's get on to your one new then, Mark. Right, I want to I, I want to half cover my one new, and then I want to have a quick break in the rules session where I talk for a couple of minutes about something, um, which will become apparent in a second. Um, I watched a very similar to you, uh, a very similar I would say film in in feel and style to you. I watched uh, 2012's film um, Butter. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Which stars uh, Jennifer Garner, Ty Burrell, uh, Olivia Wilde, um, Rob Corddry, uh, Alicia Silverstone, and uh, Hugh Jackman um, as well in a very, very minor role, um, but does get a few laughs. Um, the idea is you've got a, a 10-year-old girl, um, Destiny, uh, who is gets bounced around um, foster care and is, you know, seems like a nice kid, seems bright, but he's very resigned to the fact that any home she goes into, she'll be in there for a little bit and then she'll get moved on. Not because she's a bad kid or anything like that, but just because that's the foster system. Um, and she gets placed into the care of uh, Ethan and Jill, played by Rob Corddry and Alice Silverstone. And, you know, they seem like quite nice people and, you know, she seems to actually take to them quite well and get on with them quite well and she's got like these she's she's not dour or feeling sorry for herself or anything like that but 
she clearly has a few kind of issues and these are like the first you know because you see a little parent montage these are the first ones that seem to seem to kind of brush over it and seem to just deal with it and seem to actually act like very much like you know that she's she's going to be there for ever mm-hmm. there's no sense from them that this isn't a permanent thing and she gradually starts to get in it and one thing that they say to her that uh, Rob Cordes says to her, you know, what are you, what are you good at? What do you do? And she's like, I, I don't do anything. And he was like, right, well, we've, we've got to find something you're good at. As soon as you're good at something, as soon as you find something, tell us and we'll work it out. Uh, and then the other side of that, you've got uh, Ty Burrell um, plays a guy who, he's a butter carver, carves things out of butter. Um, and his wife, Jennifer Garner, sees this as, because he's won like the state championship for 15 years running. And she sees this as a way of getting to the White House. And so she acts like he's some kind of senator uh, and wants him to run for governor and stuff like this. And when he decides, when he gets told at the start of the film that they don't want him to enter this next year's competition because he keeps winning it, he kind of says, well, okay then. And she goes batshit crazy and tells him that he's got to enter it. And when he says no, she says she's going to do it. And while this is happening, he goes to a a strip club and meets um, Olivia Wilde's character, who's a stripper and a part-time hooker, and ends up not actually having sex with her, but ends up getting caught by Jennifer Garner because she crashes her car into his um, and then Olivia Wilde decides that she's going to get that she because he doesn't pay her that she wants the money back that she should have got paid by him for the sex they didn't seem to have so she ends up entering the butter competition as well to get back at Jennifer Garner and this 10 year old kid Destiny enters the butter carving competition as well and that's really it. That's that's kind of the story. Is is that is you've got Jennifer Garner's character obsessed with winning this competition, and you've got this kid Destiny who's ten years old, and it's the only thing she seems to be good at, and it's like an outlet for her. And Jennifer Garner's just trying to sabotage her. And it's it's ninety minutes. If it was. Five minutes longer, it'd be too long. Yeah, if that film was a minute longer, it would be too long. Have, have you seen it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, have you seen it? Yeah, and it, it maybe it could have maybe been a little bit shorter, which for a ninety-minute movie isn't a lot. And there are a couple of characters you don't. There's a there's a little side story isn't there, with um, Jennifer Garner and Ty Burrell's daughter. Yeah, which isn't needed at all. Oh, the um. Uh, kind of falling for a certain character. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Didn't need that at all. Uh, Hugh Jackman's little cameo is quite amusing. Him doing the the speech where he's reading it from his hat is quite amusing. Um, and like you say, like you were saying before about uh, drinking buddies, this is very slight. Yeah, and yeah. It's, a, it's a two point seven five out of out of five for me. Yeah. Um, but. If if you're into this type of film and you know what type of film it is, if you're into this type of film, then I think there's enough kind of quirky amusement there to have without it going full quirk. Mm. 
Um, so it's a it's a recommend, but it's a recommend based on if you like this sort of type of movie, you'll probably get on with it. If you don't, don't bother. Yeah, I I, I think that is totally fair. We watched it. Um, it was uh, the day before uh, a couple of friends of ours got married, and we had another friend of ours staying, and we were just like, let's just stick something on. Yeah, she was just like, do you want to watch a film? I was like, well, yeah, of course I want to watch a film. Like, stuck on Netflix, and it was just like, oh, what's this? Jennifer Garner butter competition. And I was just like, oh, I saw the trailer for that. Yeah, all right, why yeah. not? And, and that was it, and then I watched it for an hour and a half, and then it was over, you know. Yeah, that, but, that's it. But that's you not know, bad, you know. I'll, I'll, I'll never watch it again, but I got enough out of it for me to go, do you know what? It was an hour and a half. It was all right. Hmm. Um... And I just want to quickly break one of our rules. I need to talk about a TV series very quickly. All right. Promise I'll be very quick. Right. There's a reason why I'm breaking this rule. Um, I, and I've said it for the podcast, I don't get on with TV. Um, it just, as a medium, I, I love that other people love it. I love that other people enjoy it. But for me, it just doesn't seem to work. However, I was convinced by a combination of Noel... Um, Okay, film ramp, and my mum and her partner, um, Lee, to watch Sons of Anakin. And I started watching this about five weeks ago. I started watching Sons of Anarchy. There's five series of it, and it's roughly sort of 13 episodes a series, and the episodes run between sort of 45 minutes and an hour long. So it's around sort of, you could say, 60-odd hours, about. Mm. Um, of, of sort of five series running through um, and from the moment it started to the moment it finished I enjoyed every last second it is now up there with Twin Peaks for me as something that I will just keep on watching oh, I mean, wow. I, I've just finished watching the first five series and the next series starts in September, and I'm already thinking, ooh, could I watch Series 2 again before then? And could I watch Series 5 again before then? And doing that, and I'm already doing that, and I'm already sort of... I'm, I'm, I stopped watching it. Um, I finished the last episode on Sunday, and I'm already going, oh, God, I, 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 I need more. I need more. And it's... Um, there's, I'm not going to go into details. You know, it, it, essentially, it's about a group of um, gun-running bikers, but it's 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 more than that. It's doing like a soap opera kind of way, um, and stars Ron Perlman, Charlie Hunnam, Katie Siegel, and it's done by Kurt Sutter who did um, Shield, um, and it's one of those series where it just it it keeps going, it just keeps amping everything up and getting bigger and bigger. And just when you think that it, it might just kind of start to drop, it goes up again, up another level, and another level. And over sort of 66 episodes, I can safely say that during that, there were maybe, there were at least 10 that left me speechless. And on three or four points where, when a, an episode finished, and mainly it was a certain episode in season five, the end of season two and the end of season three, where I was actually left 
physically sat on the edge of my sofa, broken and just shaking and going, oh my God. And Becky saying, are we watching the next episode? And me going, I, I need like half an hour because I, we need to watch it. Yes, we are going to watch it. But I need just to calm down a little bit because I feel fucking weird. And it, it had that effect on me. And because it had that effect on me, I thought, I need to talk about it. Um, so, yeah, um, I know it's not film, and we're breaking one of our rules, but what I will say is it's now up there with Twin Peaks, and anybody who knows me knows that that is about the highest praise I can give anything. It is an absolutely incredible piece of uh, TV making. Fair play. I, f- fuck, I'm gonna break, I'm gonna break a rule then. Go on then. Alright, fine. I will very quickly say, I played the first two episodes of the Telltale Games se- series, The Walking Dead. Yep. Which is fucking awesome. Have you, have you played this? Uh, I've not, no. It's amazing. Um, the, the, you can get a season pass. It's five downloadable episodes, and each one's about two hours, uh, two hours long. You can get a season pass on PlayStation Store for eight pounds at the moment, and like the game of the year boxed edition is on sale in Sainsbury's for like twenty five quid. So you know it's it's a steal. Um, and basically, it's uh, based on the comic, not the TV show. Um, but I th- I think it's like a different character, and it's it's very kind of cartoony in its art styling, but it, it's kind of a point-and-click adventure. Um, oh. But the, the the great thing about it is you... like the, the, the dialogue trees that expand are like the dialogue you have to choose. You have to remember... Basically, you play this guy at the start of the, the, start of the game, you're in this uh, police car, and um, you're, you're having a conversation with a copper, and this, your character has, may or may not have done something. And then uh, the car crashes, uh, you get out, coppers turn into a zombie, and then you find this little girl, Clementine, and um, you basically team up with her and you meet up with other survivors and it goes on from there. And the thing is, you have to constantly be thinking about what you're saying to people and what kind of relationships you're having with people and who you're going to be antagonistic to and things like that. And, um, and, and I mean, it goes so far as the start of Chapter 2, uh, you've got... Um, uh, four pieces of food to distribute amongst ten people. And you have to decide which of those people you're going to give the food to and, like, how the people who don't have it are going to feel and react to you. And the thing is, as well as that, at points you have to choose who basically lives or dies. And that changes the game. So, like, the, like the, 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 some of the situations you get into will be altered based on, on, on who you've picked to survive. Like there's um, there's one character in the first in the first chapter who kind of cottons on to you and knows some stuff about your character and then and they're not going to say anything about your character. You get the opportunity to kill them off. And it's like, do you do that or do you not? And the game like changes based on 
what you've been doing. And like at the end of it, it's because a lot of it's moral choices. At the end of each chapter, you get statistics from like uh, that they've pulled from the server of everyone playing the game on the play on at least on the PlayStation version, where it says what percentage of people made that decision, what percentage made that decision. Oh, and it's, nice. And it's it's interesting because most of the time I was in the vast majority, but there was one where it was literally 55%, 45%. And it's it's and that was the most kind of straight up moral choice of <laughs> of the game. It's fascinating. And I, I I you know, I think Becky will love it. Well, I might I'm, what I might do is download it for Becky and then see what she says. Yeah, I and yeah, yeah. It's it's really really good. I mean, like Donna was watching me play it as well. And um do you know what? It's. I played chapter one on Saturday. I played chapter two on Sunday, and then I had a nightmare about it on Sunday night. I never have <laughs> nightmares. I never have nightmares. And what am I doing? You know what I'm doing after we finish this podcast tonight. What am I doing tonight? I'm You're starting. I'm starting the fucking Last of Us, and I am already really, really scared. Becky's starting the Last of Us on Saturday. Oh, is she? Yes. Oh, we're, cool. at a, we're at a wedding on Friday and I'm doing weddingy stuff helping out off tomorrow because I'm best man mm. um, and and then so we've got we've, this weekend Becky said well I'm, I'm off all weekend I've got nothing planned so right so, so the first thing Saturday morning I'm going I'm buying Last of Us and then I'm playing it I was I I was actually I was going to suggest off mic, but never mind if she's going to get it. But what I was going to suggest was when I complete the Last of Us, I'll just swap her Bioshock Infinite. Ah, uh, she's 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 getting it on. on Fair I've enough. Told. I've been I, I I was I was I was kind of forcibly told, of, and I'm playing the Last of Us. Like that's fine. She went, no, it fucking is. I'm like all right. If it, if it helps at all, just in terms of money, um, I got a copy off eBay for thirty pounds and twenty five p. Oh, I'm have a look at that then. Uh, but anyway, um, bit of a bit of a, a tangent, but never mind. Um, we're actually making pretty good time anyway, so um, let's let's uh, get into it. Here's the trailer. Uh, are you ready to move on? I certainly am, buddy. Yeah. Cool. Um, and I will say, after The Last of Us, I am going to finally play Bioshock Infinite, um, <laughs> I, I, which I am very very excited for. Um, so anyway, so you, you need to send us your address so we can send you it. Oh shit! Yeah. Oh fuck! Yeah. 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 No, I do need to do that. That would be amazing. Um. Yes, I will do that. Anyway. Uh. Yes. 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 Uh. Right. Let's move on. And um. And also, I will say actually, because Glenn's probably listening to this. Uh. Glenn Chapman lent me Uncharted two and three, and I owe him big time for that. I, I, I have a feeling Glenn Chapman will have just enjoyed the hell out of that last sort of five minutes. I, 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 do you know what? I hope he's a big games fan. He's a big Suns fan as well. Yeah, yeah. No, I hope he... Because I, I, I tell you what, I am... I've been bitten by the gaming bug a bit recently, and there's nothing wrong with that, I don't think. Uh, did, and, you know... Did you see that Rambo's been put back again? Oh, you're joking. <laughs> to when? September. Oh, mate. If anyone doesn't know, Mark has been very, very excited for the Rambo video game. Very excited. Well, I had another week booked off. Yeah. To coincide with it again. What, uh, week, what, anyway. what, week, what week was that that you got booked off? It was supposed to be um, not this Friday. It was supposed to come out, supposed to come out next Friday. Um, and it's not. 
And I take it you haven't got the week off anymore? No, I've still got the week off. Oh, you have? Okay, cool, because I'm actually off for that week as well, so I'm thinking maybe we can do some drunk commentary shit at some point. Yes. Well, question. Nice. Uh, okay. Anyway, so um, right, let's let's get into it. Then trailer for Clockers, the penultimate film in the Spike Early Marathon, and we will get into it. Hey, welcome to the show. The never ends. Martucci, what you got? We got a blackmailed dead man, Daryl Adams, 22 years old. Is the night manager is joint. Pop, 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 and he pop. Daryl goes down. Shooter does a Carl Lewis. Boys, Daryl Adams, Daryl Adams, the boys. Hey, Daryl. I reached in my bag. I pulled out the gun. I was scared. I shot. I ran. What began as a simple confession. This is still a good, solid, closed by arrest. Became a mystery. He's never been in trouble before. It was a big mistake. All you got to do now is tell me the truth. I mean, look, I told Relax. you already. The guy jumped out of nowhere. I got scared. Bam! Then I ran. You mean bam, 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 bam. What? Four bullets in the body. Now, for one man to find the truth. Something's not right. When I'm working on something, I got to make it right. Homicide creeping up. How you doing, fellas? Another must make a choice. Your brother fessed up. What do you think happened? Got me. Air told me you talked to the homicide cop. Between loyalty. Can't take it much longer, man. Maybe you won't have to take it much longer. Family. I'm going to try to get you up out of here, okay? Stay for me, man. And survival. Why'd you lie to me, man? Am I under arrest or what? We got to shoot it. Locked up the wrong brother. Some kind of way out of here. Say that joker to the thief. There's too much confusion. I can't get no relief. Businessman, there, to drink my wine. Come and dig my earth. None will let Okay, uh, that was a clip from uh, Clockers, or the tra- uh, trailer for Clockers. I'm about 2.10, I'm starting to get a bit, little bit drunk. Uh, Cloppers, clock, cloppers. Clockers starts, stars. Fuck me. <laughs> what I'm is getting... wrong with me? That, that, that beer must be awesome. It's only 4.5%. Have you not eaten today? Jesus Christ. Clockers, Stars, Mekai Pfeiffer, Harvey Keitel, Dalroy Lindo, John Turturro, and others. Mark, I need to stop talking. <laughs> what did you think of Clockers? Um, again, it was another one that I, I saw, you know, about 93, 94, and I was sort of 12... 13 years old um, and we liked it then um, 
and I, I, I still really like it. I, I really enjoyed revisiting this film within within sort of like the first five minutes. I, I, I was watching, thinking, you know what? I remember a lot of what happens in this, and it's a fucking good film. And I, I, I sort of settled in very quickly. And was like, Do you know what? Yep, I, I'm well on board with this. It's it, it, it's Spike Lee. I think making his his least Spike Lee film um, of his career up to that point, but also sort of still making it a Spike Lee film. There was less of, of less of his militant idea of politics, and more a kind of it, it was his sort of look at a character and a a kind of life, but looking at it maybe from less from the inside as more from the outside. Um, there's obvious influences from its producer, um, Scorsese, there. Uh, notably, you know, Kaitella's performance. But also there's a very... it's There's a very good sort of story there and there's a few kind of twists and a few kind of bits. It leads you down a few paths uh, where you think you're going down it and you think where it's going to go and then all of a sudden it snakes somewhere else. And it, it never tries to hide the fact that it's uh, that strike its lead character. It tries to, at one point, sort of say, "Oh, you know, he, he's, he's a good guy. He's misunderstood," and if like that. So you start thinking that, and then it goes, "You know, he's not. You know, he's a dick, right?" Yeah. And it drops that, and then you kind of bounce around, going, "So everybody's a bit of an ass." Uh, for their own little reasons, but it very much is the good guys versus the bad guys, and the good guys are actually good. You know, Kaitel's character, you know, he has little moments where he, his personality drops him, but his motives for what he's doing are all quite, quite a steal. They, they make sense. You know, he's trying to do good, and he's trying to help the right people. Um, which you kind of at some point you think that maybe he's going to go too far one way or too far the other way and it all kind of makes sense and it looks really nice there's some nice directorial touches within the film and it it, it feels very much like his, his least militant and most mature film that he'd done to that day Absolutely um, it, it's I, I, I do think it has um, certain aspects which I, I, you can tell it's a Spike Lee film. Yeah, yeah, yeah pretty much from the off. I mean, um, yeah, one, for one thing, and I wanted to uh, mention this in the Jungle Fever episode as well, but I, I, I forgot um, that he, he does in this as well. The kind of the shot where it's kind of like facing up to the people's faces and they're on a dolly track. Yeah, he likes that shot a lot, doesn't he? Yeah, um, I... Yeah, it, 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 it's very, very odd, and it kind of make kind of makes sense in 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 this film. Um, but I mean, he's, I mean, you've got that, and you've got the kind of like the at times music video aesthetic. I mean, like the 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 kind of the late on Harvey Keitel kind of telling that um, the kid what what to say. It, it, yeah. that, that almost kind of feels like a, a video from the nineties where it might have been like. 
Harvey Keitel kind of speaking the words of some gangster rapper or something like that, you know, mm. like, oh, look how controversial this is. Um, and um, it, 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 I, I, the thing is, when you I, I, this is a post Malcolm X Spike Lee. This this is a Spike. Uh, this is and like you say, it's a Scorsese produced Spike Lee where. Mm. It, it is a more rounded picture, and I think I think it's a better film for it. Um, I mean, Kaitel's character is fascinating. Like the 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 la- that last scene where um, uh, uh, Stri- Strike um, asks him, you know, so you know, why why did you just keep on thinking it was me? And then he was just like, look, get up, get the fuck out of my car, I never want to see you again. Yeah, you know, that, that's a powerful moment for his uh, for his character. And I mean, his character is kind of broken by by the end of it. I mean, like the the thing is, the reveal that his brother was uh, did actually do it. Yeah, really surprised me. Well, it, 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 the thing is, is it surprised me as well because I'd forgotten that. Mm. I, I'd, I'd completely forgotten that. Um, and when it when that came in, I was like, oh god, yeah. And it, it started to click. Other bits started to fly out of players, and. You know, I think it's. I think you know Harvey Keitel's character. The the reason why it, um, I think he he went so hard after the Kai Pfeiffer is because when he was interviewing Victor, um, actually at Washington, he was very very good in this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When he's interviewing him, I think he looked and thought, oh, "Wait a minute, this is a guy. This is a good guy from the projects." And I don't think he's. I think he very much sees them as. There are good people there, and there are the bad guys, and he—I think—he wants to protect the good guy, and he doesn't want the good guy to get fucked over just because one of the bad guys happens to be his brother. And I think it, it's very much that he's doing it as much to get the absolute truth as, as, as he doesn't want Victor to end up suffering and his family to end up suffering for his brother's. Idiocy. Yeah. I think that's why he goes so fucking heavy at it. Yeah, well, I mean, I, yeah, 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 exactly. And I mean, I, I, you know, obviously he thinks Strike did it, and 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 frankly, I did as well. Like there was until that reveal, there was never a doubt in my mind that it was him. That there was never a doubt in my mind. Just the way oh, the, the way that he is so um, uh, combative with Harvey Keitel's character and the, the way that he's constant, but then also the way that he kind it kind of feels like he's got a guilty conscience and that he is folding under the pressure as well. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's very, very well played by Mackay Pfeiffer. Um, because you, you never, you never like right, afterwards, you don't think, Oh, the film's tricked me. It, it, it just, it, it is a consistent performance. It's just, you totally can read it one of those both ways. Yeah, it, 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 it's, it's a very well kind of paced and very well done film. Um, it, it, it's, it's incredibly well balanced. It flies by. It's, it, it's over two hours long. Mm. Um, but it's nice and it, it, it's airy and it feels, it, it, although it's quite an intense film, and you know, Terrence Blanchard's music is is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, the score is is incredible, and it's quite a it's quite a beating score. It's quite it, it's a heavy score, but it's still the film still feels quite airy, and it, it, it's not all set 
in light. There's a lot of colour there. Um, but all the performances are very good. And, you know, Mackay Piper, let's be honest, isn't that great an actor. You know, he it, this is probably the best he was ever in anything. And he's been very bad in a lot of things since. Mm. Um, but he's very good in this. Yes, yeah, yeah, no, I, 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 absolutely. I mean, even like the, the little affectations of the train thing, which I think could be rather silly in other hands. I, 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 I think he plays that well. And I mean, the, the whole kind of what it means, it means for the character. It, it, I mean, that, that's a, one of those things that the, uh, the, uh, transition from book to screen, it, it, it's, Maybe seems a little bit sillier on on film than it does on paper, but I I, I think Mackay Pfeiffer sells that well enough. Yeah, it, it, it's dealt with quite well as well by um, by Spike Lee. You know, he introduces it quite well, mm. and it's mentioned a few times. And it, it, you know, the fact that he is just sat there reading a train book, um, and the fact that he's embarrassed enough about it when they mention it. But he's not too embarrassed to not read it. Oh fucking hell! What's going on? Sorry, my my printer's just turned itself on. Oh, sorry. Um, if anyone can hear that on the microphone, sorry. I'm going to try and make it stop. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm, I I do apologise, Mark. That's just completely put me off. Um, ah, oh, no problem at all. Um, so I it, see, it, 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 it's oh, I think that that Spike Lee's helped by the fact that he's got some very very good actors here. I mean, Keitel is, you know, he was, he, he was in the middle of probably his, his, the strongest sort of period of his career. You yeah. know, I mean, a lot of the time we think about Harvey Keitel and, you know, you think about him, you know, in sort of the mid seventies, but where Harvey Keitel was actually delivering his, his best work was more sort of, you know, early 90s work and when you look at it and he was in you know Thelma and Louise and he was in Bad Lieutenant Reservoir Dogs you know Rising Sun you know Dangerous Game you know Pulp Fiction this Get Shorty Dust Till Dawn I mean that they were all done in the space of like five six years hmm. um, and you know and, and Last Temptation of Christ as well and stuff like that so it, that was it, it's kind of tell right at like the peak of his of his output and he's incredible in this in this movie. He's got such a presence within it. Uh, Mackay Pfeiffer does very well. Uh, I, I say uh, Washington's very good. Um, even sort of like you know Daryl Lindau's very you know he is scary. The bit where he he goes where he basically goes for um, for strike in the car. You know he does come across as fucking you know as quite terrifying. Um, and Tom uh, Baird as Errol, you know he's he's quite. Oh, Errol! Yeah, he's a dirty, creepy motherfucker. That guy. Yeah, I mean that's you know the, there's there's an intense kind of fucking look in his eyes, and he's he's quite fucking terrifying um, in in this. And say so this is like his this is like his, his, his almost his feature film debut really. Um, and even um, the the kid Tyrone, which is played by Pee Wee Love. Nice. I bet he changed his fucking name pretty quickly. Uh, you know, even he's he's quite good in it. You know, as as the kid, he's not annoying. Um, I, I what I'll say is, is for me, I I thoroughly enjoy Clockers. It's it's very much a a film sort of of its of its time. 
but it still resonates now, you know, with the exception of the beepers. It doesn't feel out of date. It, mm. it still feels like a very good kind of slice of um, of that kind of crooks versus cops American sort of crime film that we got a lot of in sort of mid nineties. Yeah, no, abs- absolutely. It's um, it, it is a more mature work by by Lee, and um, I, I think I, I think having more of a focus. I mean, there are a lot of characters in this film, but. It's not about a lot of characters. No, that, yeah, yeah, it's a very good point. Is there's, there's a lot, there's a lot going on, but it's all about the same thing, and it does throw things away very quickly. It's not all these things happen and then they all tie back round to it. You get bits where you think, oh god, when's that gonna come back? And then it, it comes back like five minutes later, and it's done with. And you're like, oh, oh, so that's not gonna end up being oh, and it it all kind of. It's like stacking cards up, and it all kind of fits together quite nicely. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. It's yeah, I mean, it's it, it's just a very, very well done film. I mean, I I went um, uh, four out of five. By the way, we didn't say definitely not shit or shit for Wolverine. Did we not? I don't think so. Definitely not shit. Definitely not shit. But um, just because we're kind of, I, I feel we're wrapping up on clockers. Um, yeah, we, I think we are. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely not shit. Um, no. I, I mean, I don't, I, I certainly don't think it's Lee's best at all. But I, I, I do think it's, um, it, it, it's a strong piece of work. It's pared down. It's focused. It still has all the kind of the social awareness of Lee's work. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I think in it being based on a book, I had kind of focused him, and I think almost the better for it. Yeah, I think it, it's actually it's his most focused work that we've covered today, um, and also as well, it, it's his less. It, it contains less of his eccentricities, and <clears throat> his it, it still manages to convey um, his social. Uh, awarenesses without um, trying to round down his social politics. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely, and um, yeah, I mean, to, to an extent, I, 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 you know, I mean, the social politics thing is it, it's difficult with Lee because, you know, to an extent, I agree with a lot of his, what he's saying. It's just mm. that he says it very loudly. Um, he, he, he sometimes says it. He sometimes crosses a line where you go. I calm down a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly it. That's exactly you know, it. I, I, I agree with you, but you, you, you're, you're very close to being the mirror image of what you supposedly dislike. Yeah, that's yes. Whereas none of that is this wording clocker. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, good. That was good. Um, so yeah, definitely not shit. Definitely not shit. Brilliant. And, uh, right, okay, let's move on. Uh, we've got some Twitter questions, but we've also got a couple of emails. Oh, we, oh, we cool. Uh, yes. Uh, the first from the fantastically named Richard J. Winters the Third. Um, wow. I, yeah. I fucking hope that in effect, man. Oh, so do I. Um, okay, hey, fellas. Listened to your latest episode at work today and got to the question Tom DJ asked about a throwdown between characters from two different franchises. Mark mentioned the Joker, and that got me thinking. See, I'd love that, but I'd want to incorporate my own personal favourite film franchise into it as well. 
I don't know if you ever watched the old Bruce Timm animated Batman series, but there was yeah. an episode in, in that where some minor character called the Squid accidentally killed Batman. When the Joker found out, he had, got the, he had the guy picked up and brought to his lair where uh, the Joker delivers one of his big, crazy speeches. The Joker, you see, had always planned to ultimately kill Batman himself. Nobody else was entitled to do it, and he was furious at the squid for beating him to the punch, so he was going to kill the squid, essentially for revenge. Later, of course, it turns out that Batman wasn't really dead, but that's beside the point. If you knock off the bat, the Joker gets pissed. So, here's my pitch. Robin and some teenage friends disappear during a wild weekend at some little isolated place called Camp Crystal Lake. <laughs> Batman shows up to investigate and gets hacked to pieces by the local machete-wielding hockey-masked lunatic, and the Joker flips out and shows up with Harley Quinn and a troop of moots to get revenge. The mooks all get off in increasingly hilarious ways while the Joker wanders around making wisecracks and trying to figure out what the hell is going on before the two clash on the dock in a climactic battle royale that mostly involves the Joker getting tossed around like a ragdoll and making still more wisecracks. What do you think? J versus J. A wonderful time will be had by all. Uh, I think that's fucking fantastic. I think that's incredible. I, I, I am, my only problem <laughs> with it is, is I'm upset that it will never happen. Mm, that yeah. sounds incredible. The movie that he's playing in my head right now is one of my favourite films. And, I mean, I, I again, uh, another game reference. I was playing Arkham City this morning, and like the Joker in that versus... Well, that's Jason. the Joker. That's the Joker in my head. It's that Joker in my head right now is the one fighting Jason. Yeah, that that's good work, Richard J. Winters the third. Very good work. We we approve. That's brilliant. Okay, that's, and that's great. <laughs> uh, John D. Robinson. Uh, he's split this over a couple of emails. Um, oh well, there's actually two separate emails. Okay, John D. Robinson. Uh, okay, one. What is your most rewatchable film? And two, do you fellas ever read supposedly leaked scripts of films you're anticipating? Your show wars warms the cockles of my cold heart and frees my spirit to soar into parts unknown. Keep up the good work. Ba-boom, dude and a monkey for life. Thank nice. you very much. That's a very nice email. Um, I have a couple of films that, um, that I call constant rotation films, where it's films where if I'm tired or anything like that, but I still want to put some on... Or if I come home and I'm a little bit drunk and I want to put some on, uh, they are The Burbs, Escape from New York, and Big Trouble in Little China. Um, I probably watch those movies or parts of those movies um, at least sort of five, six times a year. At least that, probably more. Uh, and I've probably seen all of those 30 plus times. I would go The Untouchables. Um. Probably Anchorman, if I'm honest. Um, and at the moment, 21 Jump Street. I, I, I will admit I've watched 21 Jump Street six times now. Yeah, I think I've watched it about four. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and uh, leaked scripts, no. No, I, I, I don't either. I, the thing is, is... is I'll read scripts sometimes after, um, but I never read a script before. Uh, for the simple fact is, I, I, I want to wait for the film. 
Yeah, straight up. I, I, don't, I don't want to read some and in my brain go, oh, I bet that looks great, and then think, I could just wait. Yeah, no, that's, I, I don't have a problem with uh, people um, reading scripts. It, it, it no, is no, no, what it is. If people want to do it, but, yeah, that, that, that's, that's close to them, you know. It, but just, just to me, I, I want to see the, the movie version of it all. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. Um, okay, Andy's uh, got another question. Uh, worst actor, actress, filmmaker working in modern popular cinema. Uwe Boll does not count because he's generally accepted he'd off suck. Um, Len Wiseman. That's a good one. Fucking hate him. What an absolute cunt. Yeah, that's a- um, worst actor. I don't know. There's, there's quite a few that I dislike that. Um, worst actual ability to act or one that I think is the biggest cunt. Uh, biggest cunt would got Michael Sarah. Still don't get it. He's <laughs> fucking weird. He looks like he look. He looks. He looks like an AIDS-riddled pigeon. Um, and uh, a fucking silly at Christmas Mint Platts. Hate him. So Superbad was your film of the year in 2007. I didn't mind Superbad. That was a weird <laughs> thing. Um, but fuck, I, it, it, everything since then. Um, and it, it, they, just, they just both come across as incredibly smug. I don't like them. Um... Actress-wise, I do you know there's not a lot of actresses I dislike. Um, I'm developing Tandy this. fucking Newton. No, do you know what? There is an actress I dislike. Tandy Newton. Yes, don't like her. Again, she's incredibly smug. Her and Reese Witherspoon. I and oh god, I watched Mud the other day and fuck, I actually like Reese Witherspoon in it. So, um, yeah, Tandy Newton. Fuck yeah, her. I, I, I agree. I agree with, on, on Tandy Newton. Um, she's just... Do you know what? She was really good in Gridlocked. Oh, yeah? And, and that's it. And that was, like, her first film. And for for a lot of it, I'll be honest, she was in a coma. Have you ever seen Gridlocked? No. Gridlocked is magnificent for one scene only. I mean, it's, a, it's an enjoyable film, but there's one scene where Tim Roth and Tupac uh, have decided that they they need to get admitted to hospital because then they'll get methadone to get off heroin if they get admitted to hospital. So they decide they're going to stab each other. But they're both really shy about stabbing each other. And so there's this great scene of them stabbing each other. Um, and it's wonderful for this, like, five minutes. But the rest of the film isn't that great. Nice. So, yeah, I'll agree with Tandy Newton. Um, just... Just so beige. Yeah, um, fuck her. All right, let's move on because I've got eight minutes. Um, at, uh, fuck's sake, uh, at MrF1978, just because it was his birthday yesterday, favourite Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, uh, Predator, myself. Total recall. Okay, uh, at Very Cinematic, if Ryan Gosling turned up at your front door on his motorbike, would you leave your wife and hop on the back? Uh, yes, with her blessing. Uh, I, I think everyone knows the answer to that, yeah. Who's going to say no to that? Nobody. Really right. And to be fair, if Becky came in and said, um, Ryan Gosling's just asked me to hop on his motorbike, could you not just go? It's fine. Yeah, I, I, yeah, 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 yeah. I'd be exactly the same. Uh, at PBR Street Gang 73... 
If you were the victim of a serious crime, God forbid, which film, uh, bless, uh, which film cop slash detective would you want to investigate it? Al Pacino in Heat. Because my God, he would not fucking stop until he got his man. Well, I've got two for that. Uh, But Al Pacino in Heat is a great answer. One, Batman. Fuck, that's a good answer too. Two, Jack Walsh. You have to remind me. Oh, Manhunter. Midnight Rob. No, fuck. Why Manhunter? He's called Walsh. Yes, he's called Walsh. Yeah, Midnight, yeah. Midnight Rob. Uh, Jack Walsh, De Niro's character Good in call. Midnight Rob. Good call. That's well, a- on, on, as long as he had um, Jonathan Rudakis with him. Uh, who, sorry? Um, Charles Grodin's character. Oh, fair enough. Sorry, Gib. You know Midnight Run better than I. Um, I, I know Midnight Midnight Run could probably be added to the list of films that I I've watched a lot of times. I did actually watch it the other day as well in memory of Dennis Farina. Nice, uh, Tom DJ. Uh, if you could take away any one Oscar for, from a recipient for art, acts against art, who would it be? And if he she is a multiple winner, which Oscar would you confiscate? Uh, if we're talking. The actually winning the Oscar for that particular role, or is it just like generally? Because I take I, I take an Oscar away from Reese Witherspoon, uh, but not <laughs> not necessarily for Walk the Line though. That's the thing. Well, I I, I think yeah, I think you can do it just because you don't like it. Mine's because I don't like him. I'm taking mine away from Tom Hooper because. A, I don't think the King's Speech is a directorial oh, masterpiece. That's a good one. Uh, oh. B, either on very good authority, he's a cunt. Yeah. And um, C, it, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I still maintain the King's Speech is a BBC movie that got released in cinemas. Uh-huh. I agree. I agree. And how that film got nominated for Best Cinematography is something that would... Uh, how got nominated Best director is fucking no. beyond me. Also Put true. Put a camera down and let people talk. Oh, sorry, let people not be able to fucking talk. Maybe that's why. What a shite. <laughs> Finally, at LukeJT99, favourite Dennis Farina role? Favourite Dennis Farina role? Um, favourite this- Dennis Farina film is Midnight Run. My favourite of his roles, actually, is... And I'm, I'm going to get the name right of the film, because... Where is it? I'm fucking going the wrong way. Um, is, where the hell is it? I'll just say we had this question on Heroes last week, so I, I, I will just repeat my answer, because it's my answer, Snatch. Um, mine will probably be do you know what it probably is Midnight Rob to be honest because he's brilliant in that for the, for the brief amount of time he's in it he's fantastic with the great line of Moron number one put on Moron number two nice um, and just there's just some great great lines that's that's fair enough that's fair enough um, yeah R.I.P that was a fucking sad one yeah, it was. It was. It was a. Yeah, it wasn't a great one, really. Uh, and let's uh, let's move on. So, um, right, well, are we going to say what we're reviewing next week, or are we going to keep this another Dracula-esque surprise? I think we could keep this a Dracula-esque surprise. 
yeah, go on, then we'll keep it a Dracula F surprise. Since last week we said we were going to cover Francis Hart and then end up covering, and specifically said we're not covering Wolverine. Yeah. <laughs> and then covered Wolverine. Yeah, but then again, we enjoyed it. So, uh, what we're going to think of this particular film, who knows, but uh, we'll see. Uh, and, uh, yeah, and we'll also be doing the last of the uh, Spike Early Marathon, taking a look at Girl 6. And the usual stuff. Uh, anything to finish up with, Mark? Um, no, to be honest, I think we've pretty much covered everything, really. Cool, yeah, buddy. Well, um, I've got, like, barely any time, so uh, I'll say uh, goodnight. Do you want to say goodnight? Good night, everybody. Thank you for listening. Nice one, guys. And we'll uh, speak to you next week. Cheers, guys. Bye-bye. Cool. Right. Cool. Shot fucking through that. Yeah, nice one, man. Um, I'm going to shoot off because Don's just gone to bed, okay? Yeah, no worries, buddy. I shall catch you soon and we'll we'll sight out what we're going to do. Yeah, nice one. That's right, that's it. Cool. Cheers, dude. Take it easy. Bye, Bye. Bye, man. Bye.